0: Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of the Union Federation podcast here on the Phantom Podcast Network and on the BQN Network. Of course, this is a podcast that we talk everything that's happening in Star Trek. We talk about the Orville. We talk about a lot of different things going on. But to talk about all those things, I need a top-notch first-rate crew, and I've got one this week for sure, because I have got a full complement of crew. Of course, starting with our top-notch security officer, a man who knows many skills we don't ask him about because it's just better that way. My brother from another mother, the co-founder of the Phantom Podcast Network, Mr. Kevin Reitzel.
1: I'm sorry. That's Kevin Licardo, uh, Nick's long lost brother. That's how I'll be known as this
0: episode. Kevin Liccardo. Yeah. Okay, Thomas Riker. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Uh, all is good. We are in the final episodes of season four of Lower Decks already. Time is flying, but you know what? I need, I need more Lower Decks crew than I know a couple who have been recently promoted and what haven't self-sabotaged themselves out of those promotions yet. And one of them is our top-notch science officer, but even more scary is she's deadly with a phaser button. The one and only, Hayley Stoddard.
2: Hello! Uh, I'm super glad to be here. I finally got out of that cave. Yay! Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it took a while.
0: Yeah. Um, I I know another person who got out of that cave. Um, She used a little bit of math to work with that sentient moss, Um, but I think it worked well for her. Of course, she is our ship's
3: counselor, our holographic captain,
0: Miss Amy Nelson.
3: Well, hello there, K1 and K2. (laughs) (laughs) Where we are (laughs)
0: binary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, guys, before we go into everything that is these final two episodes of Season 4 of Lower Decks, I have some breaking news. Okay, guys, about half an hour now, maybe 45 minutes before we started this podcast. Breaking news. The actors' strike is over. They've reached a three-year agreement. Um we can, the writers are here. The actors are here. This Of course, the agreement needs to be ratified, but we can start moving forward and actually getting things out because the writers and actors will be back at work very soon. I, this is huge news, not obviously just for Star Trek fans. Um, it's huge news for Orville fans. It's huge news for everybody out there who's had something they love delayed or has been stuck in Not being able to get finished production, but this is huge news. Kevin, I know we're going to talk about more of this on the Phantom Podcast Network on Saturday night with our next episode of Culture Clash Live.
1: Yeah, definitely. We've been wondering about this and it's also been the reason why we haven't seen uh, actors, celebrities uh, out on the promotional tour on talk shows. Uh, you know, the press junkets and stuff like that. And that's why some of these uh, movies and TV series have also been delayed because they want the full support of these actors promoting these shows. So I don't know when they can actually get out there now and, and start helping promote these things. Like I'm really kind of curious with the new Marvel's movie that's coming out, since that's the new uh, MCU thing with uh, you know Disney and Marvel, if we're going to start seeing that cast out there now that this, Dead now that they've come to agreement or do we have to wait a little bit longer i'm, I'm kind of curious but it's good news uh with stuff moving forward especially a lot of the stuff that had to halt production
0: yeah i, I do know you just real quick you're speaking of the marvels i know that there's a big flirting that's taken over that big spear in vegas but <laughs> yes um amy i want to ask you about this because i want your thoughts because i think this is one of the reasons why we haven't gotten a official date for discovery yet because of the the strike and they didn't want to have the this this cast just, going into its final season not be available to market the season.
3: So maybe we
0: finally get some an actual official date for discovery now that the strike has come to an end.
3: Yeah, that would be really great. I hadn't considered that as far as marketing goes cuz you know I've seen them at conventions and you know they're they're good to be out there, but yeah, you're right to promote the new season, you've got to be able to talk about it. So I'm hopeful
0: Haley, I mean, there's so much that's
3: been kind of on hold, whether Trek-wise or not, that we've all been
0: waiting for. We'll finally, get some new stuff coming out on our our dockets. I know one of the things that you and I and Amy and have been look, looking forward to, because we got our first taste of it, was the new Orphan Black series. But you know, we we, we, we reference that quite a lot on this podcast. But <laughs> I'm just generally excited because hopefully we're going to start seeing things rolling.
2: I'm super excited. I'm I'm really excited for the actors. I'm hoping that the terms are what they were wanting cuz I know that, you know, this was the third time that they'd had an offer um recently cuz I've been working from home so I've been having the news on in the background. Um so I'm really excited for the actors, although personally I was kind of okay with it still going on because I told Chloe the other day, we just finished, uh, for any listeners, this is going to be a complete tangent. I'm showing my kid everything that is wonderful about 80s, 90s television. Nice. And, you know, because we've done a lot of the movies. And so we've been working through television. We finished Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And so I'm like, hey, since no new shows are coming, we'll be able to finish Buffy now. (laughs)
1: I'm in the middle of that right now. Make sure she does not stop that. I'm in season three I, yeah. right now.
2: So we, I never watched it. I, I, it was one of the shows that was on, but I just didn't watch it in high school, and so I know we're somewhere in season three, maybe early season four. I can't remember because it's been a hot minute. But um, I was. Buffy goes looking, to college
1: in season four.
2: Okay, uh, I was kind of looking forward to like a little. More time to like catch up on all the stuff that's been sitting on my watch list for like I don't know a decade. <laughs> well,
0: I, I think you are still going to get a little time because it's going to, yeah, I, I would suspect it's going to be not till after the holidays before things really get in. Unlike, like I said, if certain casts can get out there and do some marketing now, they're going to, but I think as far as, as getting into production and back in this work, I think mm-hmm. it's probably going to be after the holidays, so you got some time there. But it's funny you mentioned you were watching Buffy because I would like to just say that we have a wonderful episode of time warp our special Hall- annual Halloween episode. And this year we dedicated it Kevin to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, we wanted,
1: I wanted to celebrate, uh, Buffy because of the impact it's had having pop culture. And it's, uh, one of those shows that, uh, is aging very well and, uh, was kind of, uh, um, kind of an influence a huge influence on the way television was told afterwards and uh, uh i wanted to make sure that i got you on there as well as my lovely wife aaron who is the all things buffy expert and then we had our friend uh lacey on who just finished her whole rewatch of the buffy birch which also included uh entire series of angel so we had a good time talking about our favorite seasons and episodes we touched on the music but you know we definitely touched on Uh, the impact that Buffy had, So make sure you go over and check it out. That is on YouTube and the audio podcast is coming out as well.
2: Okay, wait, I have to ask, did you include the movie in this conversation? No,
1: I think it was mentioned, but we wanted to specifically talk about the TV series.
2: Okay. So yeah. Because I showed Chloe the movie and uh, she liked it. And so that's kind of why I was like, well, now we got to watch the television show. Uh, Because I just love all things Donald Sutherland. So... (laughs)
0: uh just to throw it out there too for your rewatch when you're done with the actual tv show there's a great audio book out now with a lot of the cast
2: i heard about that yeah it's very
0: interesting
1: we we touch on that in the podcast
0: yeah so all right with that guys uh let's warp out so we can talk some more next Okay, guys, we are here to talk about the final two episodes of Lower Decks. Um, as we wrap up Season 4 already, time flies by fast. You weren't with us last episode. I just had to get... Did you have any thoughts on the last two episodes, either uh, The Return of Batsby or, or, or what else you watched in Lower Decks last week? <sighs> Lots of came
2: uh, yeah, so I, I watched all the last four episodes uh, just before we were jumping on because uh, I hadn't watched any. And ugh, I have no comment.
0: I oh. think that's fair.
2: We, 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 know, we know Lower Decks is
0: not necessarily your favorite part of the Star Trek universe. But.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was great that they brought back the species that I can't even bend a whatever from you know, the animated series from the 60s, that was a nice throw in uh, to throw in and at least reference that because I know a lot of people completely skip over TAS and say it's not Star Trek and they just don't watch it because it's ridiculous. But so that was nice. Um, And I liked them bonding uh, in the cave after they were fighting and everything. Um, But I had no, yeah, that's about all I got.
0: Well, okay, so there was one important thing. Lord Dex mentioned AP Corner. (laughs) 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 Well, with that, guys, we are going to be talking about episodes uh, 9 and 10 of Season 4. Mr. Brightsall, would you like to push a button? Oh, yes. Spoiler alert. We are going to be diving deep into the final two episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks, The Inner Fight, and Old Friends New Planets as we wrap up Season 4 of Lower Decks. With that, we are teleporting into our first away mission. Our first episode is The Inner Fight. Amy Nelson, would you be so kind as to give us an Admiral's Log synopsis?
3: Yes. Um, however, can I just say two things before starting? Uh, number one. Well, one's a question and one's a, a comment. Um, so Boimler calls the Vulcan. That's Talin. Is that her name? Yeah, Talin. Yes. Yeah. So I like that Boimler called her T, but then Mariner Beckett calls Tendi. Was she saying T or D? Because the Devana Tendi, but Beckett called her T or was it D? Because I'm like, if they're both T, then we don't know who they're talking about.
0: It might have been D and you would need to go back and rewatch
2: it. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. You know, I should watch with closed caption. I'm I do all do the that.
2: time.
1: I do that yeah. all the time, yeah
2: yeah okay too
3: fast i can't keep up no right okay and then this never happens to me you guys um i noticed if you remember last episode when i saw the binars and i was like why were there three binars and now (laughs) we know why do you remember i asked that you did yes i do remember that. yes (laughs) you guys that never happens to me (laughs) <laughs> I wish I would have connected. It's like that's going to be something sinister that there's three binars, but I didn't go that step. But at least I recognize it. So um, that's me patting myself on the back. All righty. <laughs> to the Admiral's log. The mysterious vessel is now attacking former Starfleet officers, and the Cerritos is assigned to locate and protect former cadet Nick Locarno, who now works as a pilot for hire. Captain Freeman, Shax, and Rutherford head to New Axton to locate Locarno. On observing Mariner's recent self-endangerment, Freeman assigns Mariner, Tendi, Talin, and Boimler to a safe boy re- <laughs> repair job near Sherbil 5. As they finish, the Chita, now working with the mysterious vessel, appears and destroys their shuttle, requiring them to beam onto the planet. They encounter senior officers of various missing ships, including Ma'a, all stranded as victims of mutiny. While the others convert the boys' monitoring station into a distress beacon, Mariner gets into a fight with Ma, but glass rain forces the two to shelter, you guessed it, in a cave. She reveals that she went through the Dominion War just three years after losing a friend, Cedo to a Starfleet spy mission, and was acting out over disillusionment that her new responsibilities may mean complicitly with Starfleet's military aspects. Ma helps bolster Mariner's belief in herself and Starfleet. She convinces the stranded captains to work together, but is suddenly beamed away, Ma and the others manage to lure the Chata down to the surface, overtaking it. Meanwhile, Freeman locates Locarno's residence, but discovers the mysterious vessel schematics therein. Mariner finds herself aboard the vessel, a vessel greeted by Locarno.
0: Okay, guys, a pretty big episode with the big reveal that we've been waiting for for the whole season. So I want to get some first reactions here. Um. Kevin, I was actually kind of thinking about you while we were watching this episode because of the TNG connections and everything like that. So,
1: and then I'm um, Kevin you? Locarno in this episode. Yeah, I got you. Uh, uh, Kevin
0: Riker, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Picard, whatever he feels like. <laughs> um, what were your hey, first at least it's not
3: to- Lord Tyrannicalicus this time. Oh yes, I had a hard time remembering that one. <laughs>
0: so, your first thoughts on this ep- initial reaction to this episode, Kevin.
1: I was wondering where they were going with this kind of big threat. And I did not see Nick Locarno coming. <laughs> I did not see that. I was kind of expecting something a little more threatening or nefarious, but I I guess if you're talking lower decks, it was still a pretty big threat in lower decks, you know, range. <laughs> um so I had to kind of like Then temper my expectations of what would happen in the final episode. Uh, But you know that's what this show is 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 fun to watch for is its Star Trek references, especially when it pulls from TNG. We love TNG uh, deep dives on this.
0: Haley, your first reaction?
2: Um, I was enjoying this one better than the previous two. I mean that's essentially the 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 biggest thing cuz again I was watching all four of these episodes one after the other. So um yeah, I, I I'm in the same boat. I was not expecting Lacarno. Uh I don't know what I was expecting honestly and uh for him to not be destroying these ships but taking them. Um I wasn't expecting that either. So that was kind of a fun, pleasant surprise. And um, I like that, you know, Mariner has been struggling and she opens up to a Klingon, of all things.
1: She's always gotten along him. with Klingon. Yeah, she's always <laughs> gotten along with Klingons, though. You know? yeah. And so she gets them. And I, I, I like the moments that they had, especially in the cave and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So,
0: yeah. Amy, hey, what about you? Your first reaction to this episode?
3: I was really laughing so much. Uh, pockets? Did you know they have pockets? Like, it's so cool. And we're women. We get it. I know, right? Haley, no I'm like, yes. I'm a wait. cosplayer. I get it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> You know, and yeah. I really liked that list of ex-Starfleet, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm thinking Seven of Nine. I'm like, that's not, that's not ex-Starfleet. And then I was like, oh, she is. So that was pretty cool. I, the glass rain really made me laugh. But on my second rewatch, I was like, okay, that's stupid. Um, And... <laughs> Sort of to your point with Mariner, you know, talking to Klingons and like, you're right. She does have an affinity. She gets along well with him. But I, at that moment, you know, I think that's the crux of the episode of Mariner, you know, having her aha moment. But I mean, sometimes, isn't it just easier to unload to a stranger? You know, Oddly and yeah. I was like... I love that they you know showed that and she was honest and real with herself and and you know coming up and figuring out what's wrong and and being vulnerable to a stranger and sometimes that's all it takes um so I really like that that she was able to process that
0: well let's uh, get into that a particular topic for of this episode is topic one of our um um, away mission here is Mariner finally does confront herself. We, she's all season she's been going through this self, self well, since the beginning, the self sabotage, not wanting to get promoted, but also this season pushing herself into da- more and more dangerous situations. And we finally find out why, as we learned that um she lost um her good friend from the academy, Sito uh, Jaxa, who made two appearances in TNG in the first duty and in Lower Decks in 1994, later the later being credited as being the namesake for the series. And she had died on this secret mission, which would affect Mariner for years to come. And, you know, I, I want to say here, because we see the picture of Mariner um, at the beginning of the episode, Haley, these creatures just not, they're just not a moopsy-level creature. They fall short.
2: No, Very but, venomous, but... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I'd want to be bit by something venomous that makes my eyes pop out of my head, because anything eyeball stuff is just really... Ugh it's really gross. Um I wanted to to Amy's point about you know being able to open up to strangers. It's easier because we feel that they will be less judgy than our friends and family who know us better. So mm-hmm. it's easier to open up to someone who has no history with us, has, um, you know, right. they don't come in with any preconceived notions of who we are. And so it is easier to do that, um, you know, which is why, you know, most television shows, the bar. Keep is always the person that everybody's sitting and unloading all their problems to, um, things like that. And so, um, yeah, this was really interesting. I can see where she's coming from, though, because I can only imagine, you know, you are in this organization that is a military organization, but is also exploration and whatnot. And it has this duality to it. And so each person in the organization has to have this duality to themselves as well of knowing that there is danger in exploration and they do have to not only defend themselves, but defend others who have joined this, you know, federation. And so I I can see this duality that she's been fighting with because it would be a scary notion to think that if you are promoted to a point, you know, where you're a captain and you're the one giving orders that someone you care about, someone that you develop a friendship with could die. And that puts you in this awkward place. And so, you know, you can see why Captain Picard didn't want to initially develop friendships with any of his crew, because again, that decision, if you develop friendships with these people, it makes that decision of putting them in harm's way harder. And so I can understand why she's been fighting with herself. And it was nice to see a resolution to that.
0: Kevin, I think it's very telling too, that she opened up to a Klingon. You kind of mentioned it, that she's gotten along very well with Klingons and, realistically the way she was acting with that warrior kind of warriors mentality, it makes almost perfect sense that if she's going to reveal anything, it's going to be a Klingon. She's done battle with. Yeah. She's
1: uh she's very, she, she she's a fighter and, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's not wishing for a fight. She's wish, wishing for some type of weird bad anomaly. You know, she was like bored inside the shuttle. Uh, and, uh, I, I thought it was an interesting uh, way to kind of get her to open up and, you know, wondering why we've seen her all this time. And and honestly, this is something that I was kind of hoping we would come to fruition and uh, have some character development of why she uh, is who she is, why she's not taken, you know, why she doesn't want to be promoted, why she's always trying to, you know, bend the rules to get bumped back down and, and uh, you know, she didn't want this her promotion in the first place, so i'm glad I'm glad they're actually um touching that part of her character, and, and hopefully uh she'll grab some more authority going forward.
0: also too guys, and and to show how she grew just within this episode, and this is something once she's kind of confronted with what she was doing and understands it. we see her take a different approach as she kind of rallies. These prisoners together in, into a into a unit and making them realize, even despite their differences or their conflicts, they're all in the same predicament. And she really kind of unites everybody. Amy,
3: you know, I really liked this in part because what Mariner said. So her and the Klingon were ha- hiding out in the bushes, and we're like, we can take them, and da da da. And she's like, no, we have to do something harder. We have to get them to talk to each other. I mean, I'm totally paraphrasing. And so then she's like, hey, time out. You know, that is harder than just going and fighting. And I mean, that really is. And I love that Lower Decks is showing us these alternatives of besides, oh, I'm going to smack you down. I'm going to fight you and I'm going to be victorious. There's other ways to be victorious, and she's right. You, we needed to do something harder and get them talking. No,
0: I, I, I think this was, this was actually one of the high points of the episode. Is Mariner showing this growth, growth here? Um, Haley, Kevin, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh,
1: it's interesting how, you know, when you pit these people together, they all kind of, in a way, have their own warring nature. And uh, you got someone who's been fighting demons on the inside of herself. And uh, I liked the fact that she was in that situation and she was able to bring them together and make them see the light, you know, because trying to convince a Romulan of all people is, is pretty difficult, you know? So I, I thought that was a, a pretty cool scene.
0: Well, to yeah. wanna... No, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I do want to move on to our, next topic of this episode because there was a b-plot going on in this too that really focused on captain freeman and she basically gets one over on everyone yet again guys with just how she works the situation and i want to ask you guys this she's grown especially this season she's really played a lot of captain games here where is captain freeman starting to fall in this into the trek lore as as a captain here because i i think she really took a jump so far this season, Kevin.
1: Yeah, I agree. She definitely has. And, you know, the way she kind of played the when they go down to the planet, and they have to, first of all, like park outside and take a shuttle in and they can't get into the cool club, you know. Uh, but that was all done by design is kind of like a a, a trick. But uh, she she's she's uh, she's coming along quite well this season. I think you're right, Kyle. They're really giving her a lot to do. And that uh, that is touched a little bit on in um, which we'll discuss later in um, uh, the Ready room. And I think that uh, this was a character, especially not just being Mariner's mom, but someone that is the captain of this starship, the Cerritos, and bringing the crew together and being someone that they can follow. And and you know, I think the first couple of seasons we're kind of waiting to see what she's going to do and what kind of captain she's going to be. And and now we see a little bit of her mom inside, you know, in her and then vice versa.
0: What what do you think, Haley?
2: Yeah, I think she's definitely matured is the wrong word. I don't know. Like if she's just, they've developed her character a little bit more. Maybe they weren't quite sure outside of being Mariner's mom of like how she was going to be portrayed as a captain. Um, And so I like that she's, kind of pulling her crew together more often. Um, and she's been on more missions, which has been really nice as opposed to, you know, how she was the first couple of seasons. So I've definitely enjoyed seeing her more and in interactions with the crew and such.
0: Amy, one of the things too, that I found very interesting with this episode, not only with Captain Freeman and how she pulled some things off, how she's dealing with the fact, and I think Lord Dexter might, in some ways have, is doing the best job of showing this that Starfleet isn't universally beloved, especially in in the outer areas. And Captain Freeman seems to be dealing with a lot of that through her her character run, especially in this season.
3: Well, um I'm can I I was gonna talk about it later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we can hold on to it later. We got we we will have yeah. more about her later. Um but real quick, Kevin, especially you best Bounty Hunter outfit since Boba Fett?
1: Uh, it's pretty darn good. Pretty <laughs> darn good.
0: <laughs> I, I love that. Just the whole angle of this Bounty Hunter getting over them the whole time. And it
1: I would love it. to see someone cosplay that.
0: That would yeah. be cool. <laughs> yeah. And just what they did with it, it ending up being the chief engineer. Um, yeah. uh, they, 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 I just thought that was a phenomenal joke. Amy?
3: Yeah, well, that sort of... I mean, yeah, I'll talk about this. Like, this is uh, Captain Freeman, like, in her knowledge. She totally played that planet. It's like, oh, I'm going to be the Starfleet. But in reality, here's my person who's gathering the intel. So she's learning to work around. And like, we're seeing her genius with that. So I really like that and felt that that grew her character. And I wanted to ask you guys. So this person was Billups. Do you think it was a good choice to use Billups? I, I had hoped or had wanted it to be Ransom, the first officer.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I didn't I know would, why it
3: was Billups.
0: Yeah, it's funny that it's Billups, but it should have been Ransom. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I Ransom could have kept his mouth shut.
2: <laughs> no, no <that's> true. <laughs> definitely not. Um. I, I want to call out something um, because if we're not going to talk about it, uh, then I need to talk about it. Um, how about the fact that the little person that she thought was a puppet is a massive TOS call?
1: Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I remember that.
2: <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, look. Look awesome and then he was like no it is a person he's got organs and everything i think that was probably my favorite part I, I, I <laughs> yeah. pr- what
0: episode
1: I was you. that from what episode was that from again
2: that episode oh
1: my Because that, 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 stuff,
2: and i'm so bad about that, titles I, no, that no, wait,
1: imagery I, that imagery of that creature or that alien is so iconic with right. TLS. yeah it yeah. is yeah and I, I, can't prom- remember- I
0: promise you i promise you we will get an answer to you that when we get to trivia kevin okay, yep. good. good, good,
1: good. yeah.
2: because yep. see this it was it was the puppet that Baylock had put forward. so yeah, that was terrifying um, to people who watched it in the day yeah. but.
0: um and, and finally, guys, Nick freaking Locarno. What, <laughs> we we talked about him earlier in our initial actions, of course. Nick Locarno was played by Robert Duncan McNeil. I don't see it. I I, I just I don't I don't <laughs> see it. I just and it was intended to be the helm officer for Voyager in the beginning. However, due to legal issues around the character, the part would be changed to Tom Paris, who ended up having a similar background to that of Lacarno and a striking resemblance, if you see it. Uh what course, legal was, What legal issue is this? Yeah, I'm not real sure, and I couldn't find much about that. If you was, was it
1: a a writer's credit or was it something? Yeah, I think it's something yeah. along those lines. It, you know? it is the it writer's
3: credit. That if they would have used Nick Lacarno then something would have. Uh, but yes, it it has to do with the someone would have
1: had a someone would have gotten residuals continuing exactly something. Gotcha. Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was probably a writer that they didn't like.
0: <laughs> Did, Did I say that it,
3: out
0: yeah, loud? Yeah. Well, let's be honest, guys. This is as about as much of a lower decks move as there has ever been. A lower decks move. This is pulling... St- can, I,
1: can, I, can I tell you a, a quick little Robert Duncan McNeil story I have? Sure. So uh, I was trying... Kyle, you know how you and I were trying to complete our um, our Firefly autograph collection set from mm-hmm. the cast from Firefly? Uh, and, uh, I was also trying to get certain cards in my Star Trek cards also signed as well. And, uh, one of the actors from Firefly I was trying to get was Adam Baldwin. Uh, he played the character Jane. Well, at this time he was filming, uh, Chuck cause he was a regular on the series. Chuck and, um, Robert Duncan McNeil was always promoting Chuck. And because he directed over 20 episodes, but he was also an executive producer on that series. But Adam Baldwin, like, kept not coming to Dragon Con. And I found out it was because, like, his busy schedule with Chuck. Robin Duncan McNeil came one year and I got his autograph. I said, hey, can you do me a favor and let the reins a little loose on Adam Baldwin? We're trying to get him here at Dragon Con. I would love to get his autograph. He's like, all right, I'll look into it. And he kind of joked at it. Next year, Adam Baldwin showed up at Dragonfly. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and Adam Baldwin, for you guys that don't know, is one of my all-time favorite '80s films. Uh, he was in. Uh, he was the bodyguard in My Bodyguard. Mm-hmm. and uh one of my all-time favorite 80s films and I mentioned that to him and he gave me a free autograph uh with the uh, um my bodyguard on there but uh oh. finally got uh him to uh Dragon Con cuz I talked to uh, Robert Duhamel. <laughs> that's a Haley, good
0: story. Where- yeah, that's a great story. H- Haley, um Yeah. Nobody saw this coming, right? Nobody, nobody in the world could have predicted Nick Licano.
2: No. No, this like it came so far out of left field, to use a baseball reference, that like, it's like like state's other side of the country left field. I would never have thought that they would have said, hey, Nick Lucarno's the one that's pissed off at everybody and is the one doing this. I, I, no, I didn't see it coming at all.
0: Amy, is this so far out of left field that if Voyager went went out into this left field, it still wouldn't be back to Earth yet?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, did not see it. However, it's interesting that the ship, and I guess apparently I just saw on Twitter, uh, someone's doing the comparison between the ship shape um, here versus the Delta Flyer. And how it's a very similar Mm. shape. But because Lower Decks had it, you know, invert 90 degrees, um, that people weren't making that connection, which I think was really smart. But when the ships are horizontal, as you know, most Mm -hmm. like the Delta Flyer, then they have a similar shape. But yeah, no, did not see it. And I like that it's low stakes. I mean, this is lower decks. We don't have to save the world. This is just a fun little, you know, a little thing that we're coming up against. I mean, yeah, someone wants to be a independent, you know, fly boy. Well, that doesn't always work in line with the universe. So this was an appropriate, fun stakes that got resolved
0: wait wait amy no this this was high stakes because anytime you're talking a ferengi genesis device that is true (laughs) or
2: just a genesis device with with a paywall with a a paywall oh
3: my gosh was that not so funny oh okay guys we are going to transport yes i have to do it yep uh we're
0: going to transport out this mission and then go into a little star trek trivia for Oh, did I find some fun trivia and tie-ins for this episode deep within the Lower Decks. Um, so bear with me, because it's time for a little Star Trek trivia. Okay, guys, first up. The episode kicked off with Boimler and Mariner dealing with some Federation outpost scientists like the ones they first hustled with in Season 3 episode Reflections when Mariner risked her life to rescue the scientists from the venomous tremble lizards boimler made it clear he was not for any affection noting she thinks you're weirdos <coughs> so yes dealing with that past history but i found this next one bit even better a little another class throwback to the classic tos the when the tremble lizards got inside the fence at the outpost everyone except mariner put on anti-venom suits which resembled the 23rd century ev suit seen in star trek the original series
2: now, why didn't you pull up an image of the red ones <laughs> with the chicken wires? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, never mind. Well, go on, well I, go got, I got
0: some more stuff for you here because go on, go on. <laughs> Klingon weirdo and Kirk Fu. Um, later, when Mariner fights with the Klingon Mahal, she employs a few classic Klingon barbs, including calling him a pedicure which may be the most commonly used Klingon curse word in Star Trek. And according to the Klingon dictionary it means weirdo. Mariner also deploys oh. one of the fighting moves made famous by James T. Kirk, AKA Kirk Fu, with a double fist punch.
1: And Evan? it's a patak.
2: You patak. Patak.
0: Patak. patak.
1: patak. Yes. yes. Yes.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. The, the double fisted. Yeah. it's It's a good one. Always classic. <laughs> Now, if she had thrown her body at Ma'ah, like Kirk does in the Corbamite maneuver, like sideways, like thrown her whole... That would have been great.
0: Well, on to Mudd's puppet. Over over on an entirely different planet, Mariner's mom was dealing with an antagonistic alien and former broker until she thought she recognized something about him, saying it was an ancient trick and accusing him of being a puppet. Only when she grabbed the alien, it was confirmed she was wrong. But one can understand their confusion as the broker looked just like the Balak puppet from the T.O. Epi- episode, The Corbonite Maneuver. The, t- mm-hmm. the totally not a puppet alien was found in a bar named Muds, which Freeman describes as a notorious dive for all sorts of unsavory rogues. That is an apt description from one of the franchise's first rogues, Harcourt Fenton Mudd. A Smugger and Comment, who first appeared on TOS and later on the animated series and Discovery, it's possible this bar was named by him or possibly in his honor.
2: I mean, he's so- stuck on the planet with a whole bunch of, uh, you know, Stellas, so it was probably named after him.
0: Um, this, this next one's for me and Kevin. Um, Trek Wars, while the name from the classic Trek. The whole vibe of Muds and the new Axton in general was from an entirely different galaxy far, far away. Comments about how the planet was lawless and the favorite of every troublemaker in the quadrant all <laughs> harken back to the first Star Wars movie and the visit to Moss Eisley, home of the famous cantina, technically Tollum's uh, Spaceport Cantina and all of sci-fi. The officious, officious people who ran new Axton and made the Cerritos park next one of the next to one of the moons wore uniforms like Imperial officers from star Wars, even speaking in the same snooty British accent. <laughs> there was even what appeared to be an homage to return of the Jedi on the planet with Mariner and Maha, the Federation's monitoring station in the forest looked a lot like the Imperial shield bunker on the fourth moon of Endor. <laughs> and that finally, at one point Boimler begins to talk in his sleep where he asked, okay, this is the other one. At one point, Boimler begins to talk in his sleep where he asks Beverly Cutcher to teach him how to dance. This is in reference to her famous dance scene in the TNG episode Data's Day, where she teaches Data how to dance and she reveals her nickname, the Dancing Doctor. Crusher's actress, Kate McFadden, is also known as an accomplished tap, tap dancer. But <laughs> it, it, it's nice that the Lower Decks even managed to get a little wars in there, Kevin.
1: Yeah, that was funny. That was a good call out.
0: So with that, guys, that is going to wrap up our talk on Episode 9. But we're not done because it's time to transport into Away Mission (laughs) 2. Season 4, Episode 10, the season finale of Season 4 of Lord Old Friends, New Planets, Recap. Um, Amy, would you care to give us a little Admiral's Log?
3: Yes, so Locarno broadcasts from the Detrion system that he has gathered the mutinous crews of the stolen ships to form a new Nova fleet with plans to use a Genesis device to threaten Starfleet and others into recognizing their legitimacy. He kidnapped Mariner, believing she would join them given her own issues with Starfleet. She instead warns viewers that Lacarno is untrustworthy, steals the device, and hijacks the ship, but is trapped within the impenetrable Trinar shields Lacarno has set surrounding the system. Captain Freeman defies Starfleet orders to wait to rescue Mariner. With Tendi's help, she acquires a battleship capable of punching through the shields from DeErica who agrees on condition that Tendy return to her family after. The battleship is inoperable, but Boimler, serving as acting captain, uses the Cerritos' tractor beam to crash the battleship into the shields, blowing them apart long enough for Freeman in the captain's yacht to enter. Cornered by Lacarno, Car- Mariner sets the Genesis device, or GD, to activate and pleads with him not to let his anger over his expulsion dictate his life. Before he can shoot her, Freeman beams her away. Locarno attempts to deactivate the device, but fails when encounters a Ferengi paywall. The device activates and creates a new M-class planet from Locarno and the surrounding matter. Starfleet dubs it Lakarno. Freeman avoids a court-martial because her actions have opened historic Orion diplomatic negotiations. Reunited with her friends, Mariner admits to them that she's been dealing with difficult issues, causing her to act out. Talyn is invited to return to the Cheval, but declines, while Tendi is forced to return to her family, saddening her friends, particularly Rutherford. However... They are sure that they will see her again. As Tendi returns home, she confidently prepares for what lies ahead.
0: As I try to get us ready for this discussion in my top-notch captain's voice, <laughs> um, guys' first reactions to this season finale of Lower Decks. Um, Haley, I'm going to actually start with you.
2: Um, yeah, uh, you know this was—I uh, feel like very Star Trekky episode. <laughs> Basically, um, I think the you know the two stories um, blended well together because it was all one story essentially, even though it was happening you know at different spots. And um, again, this is a really long time for someone to hold a grudge. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, you you got kicked out because you were stupid, and you got somebody killed. <laughs> Exactly. Everybody else apparently got over it and moved on.
3: Um, What kind of consequence was he expecting to happen? Exactly. I mean, he's lucky he's not locked up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um but I really enjoyed this
2: episode. Um and I think it ended well. Like it didn't leave aside from, you know, whatever happens with Tendi and coming back and things like that and how she's going to be able to get back. Um it didn't leave like anything unfinished. I wasn't left wanting more from the story. I felt like they wrapped it up really well, so that was really nice.
0: Kevin?
1: Cedo Jax is one of my favorite guest stars in TNG. I loved her short story arc. And, uh, um, you know, I like the fact that she was uh, chosen and volunteered for a mission that she ended up dying on, you know, um, with the conflict with the Cardassians uh, at the time. And uh, that 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 was interesting because you know you're you're killing off someone that you really like you know when it comes to a guest star, and I like the fact that they tied this back to Mariner and how Mariner was affected by the death of this friend, and I love even better that they got the original actress back to voice her as well. Uh, we got the whole Nova Squadron back, including Wesley Crusher himself. You know, Will. Uh, I thought that was really, really cool. A great callback that not – what I liked about it was that not only was it a callback, but it's a reason why Mariner is who she is, or at least part of her anyway, why she's doing the certain thing that she is because she got affected by this. It wasn't just a quick mention, you know. Uh, I love the fact that Locarno had the Nova Squadron burst sy- symbol on his jacket because that was the uh, – um, that was the the design they were supposed to make with the exhaust from their ships before one sh- ship, unfortunately, uh, exploded and killed one of their um, cadet members. And uh, um, I, I love how we went back in time to see that relationship start in that Mariners this kind of young, uh, you know, uh, young cadet who is uh, thirsty for knowledge and excited to, you know, to, to, to be part of something and, and be friends with people and stuff. And, uh, I thought that that was really cool. And, and the shout out to the Genesis device was, was great that it, you know, it's, it's become kind of a super weapon now. <laughs> and The Frangie had it with a paywall, which is just hilarious. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I think what you said, Amy, it's like, you know, this is lower decks. It's not going to be, you know, world destroying galaxy killing. Like we were promised at the end of, uh, every, uh, uh discovery episode. Um,
0: it's we get a lower deck's version of this and i think it's great so amy what about you your initial reactions to this episode
3: you know i really enjoyed this episode uh just a huge shout out to the music especially at the end like the tos i'm sure it was some kind of movie thing but it was just wonderful brought all the feels. I absolutely loved Boimler and his captain voice. And like even, and I watched it on the, on my rewatch, like he even stood, you know, sort of turned. Cause that's, you don't want to just stand for it. You turn and yes, I'm going to look this way and talk to you this way. I totally dug that. And um, Freeman was really, really good with that. And Will's voice seemed old. But Robbie Duncan McNeil's sounded just like Nick lacarno. His his voice still sounded young, and like the first time, and I was like, "When I had, I trouble, didn't know I had that. trouble,
0: I had so, trouble." Sorry to interrupt, but I
1: had trouble going. Is that really? Is that really Robert Duncan McNeil? I, I was just like, "Is it really?" I, I couldn't quite figure it out if it was someone else pretending to be him, or if really? it was actually him. Yeah, oh, his first. voice was yeah.
3: total Nick Lacarno not even Tom Paris. Like I heard that. And when uh, Nick was talking to Wesley at Starfleet Academy, I didn't even know that was Wesley. And it wasn't <laughs> right. until he said Wesley because his voice, which is odd because I watch enough the ready room. Like I know what his voice sounds like, but there was something that it didn't. It didn't look like Wesley, and it didn't sound like Wesley. When Nick said, hey, Wes, like you, I was like, that's Wesley? I just, it, <laughs> that threw me. Well, I knew,
2: what? but I'm a Wesley fan, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, let,
0: so. Let, let's get into that topic a little bit more. Kevin, you talked a lot about this, too. Uh, topic one, the TNG flashback and um, seeing re- a return to Starfleet Academy from the episode, The First Duty, um, I, I know this, I just when I was watching this, I'm like, I, I can see the crew of Union Federation, and they're all extremely tickled right now that we're, that they're actually doing this and bringing this into this episode of Lord Dex. Kevin, I, I can hear your genuine excitement when you talk about it. Talking about your oh, journey. yeah.
1: Like I said earlier, um, this episode of um, The First Duty was a good one. And the fact that when we see Cedo Jackson come back, she gets probably one of the most gnarly dress downs we've ever seen Picard give, um, a, a lower, uh, uh, ranked person. I mean, he really gives it to her, but she stands up for it and she, you know, she's trying to make amends for this and he ends up turning around, you know, seeing, you know, we find out that he was the one that, you know, picked her in the first place, but he really wanted to kind of see where she was at and she was willing to risk her life for this, uh, um, this mission that she eventually died on. And it was just a breath of fresh air to kind of see uh, a flashback to this scene. And I thought of Boothby, you know, um,
3: did and, you see uh, him?
1: What's that? Did you see him? I he missed was it there. Yeah, that's great. I missed it. Uh, because I only saw it once. Uh, but I like the fact that, uh, we get that, we get that, uh, that appearance, uh, from uh, the late, great
0: Ray Walston. So, um, you know, yeah. Amy and Haley, I, I was kind of feeling like Mariner was maybe channeling her inner, young Mariner had a channeling her inner Boimler. Um, lots of energy for Mariner.
2: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think about, you know, like when I get excited about things and you know anytime anyone gets really super excited about something or tries something and and thinks they're not going to like it and then turns out they're like oh my gosh this is so cool like thank you for you know making me take this or whatever Um, you know I think of my own kid and I'm you know encouraging her to take some different classes and I'm hoping next year she'll take psychology and I think she'll really because I think she'd like it Um, and so I really appreciated that you know we got to see this cadet uh, you know that's at the school probably first year at the academy and is just really excited about something that they were encouraged to take and didn't think that they would like. And so that's always super fun. And it was nice to see you know Nova Squad. They very much kind of remind me of um, Red Squad from Deep Space Nine um, in their their attitudes of you know we're just kind of we're going to do our own thing we're above it you know know. know kind of attitude um you know consequences be damned so um and i was it was super exciting
3: to hear everybody's voices so that was great
2: amy
0: i i know this was just hitting all the feels for you
3: yeah it was really nice to see starfleet academy and i liked how mariner was very excited and i was like see she really does like starfleet So, in this episode, we're seeing it. She was a great cadet. And then last episode, you know, she was talking to Klingon Ma, and it's like, I like Starfleet. I I believe in the mission. It's sometimes the orders get weird. And so, this just reaffirms Mariner really belongs in Starfleet.
0: They were so young back then.
3: Oh, goodness. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yes.
0: Hey, for those of you who m- might be listening to the podcast audio, I've just put a picture up of Robert Duncan McNeil and uh, Wesley Crusher and the other characters from The First Duty up and yeah, so young. Cito Jackson,
1: God, look how young. <laughs> mm,
0: yeah. I know, right? So, um, Next topic, guys. The master plan is revealed. Um, but more importantly, Mariner stepping up big time here. And Supporting Locano. um, Basically, as he's giving his broadcast out to the entire galaxy, he just calls him a fool, steals a ship, steals the Genesis device, takes out the Nova Core. This guy's a big jerk. He sucks. (laughs) Don't listen to him. This this was what was so great about it. This was everything we love about Mariner, but also a new, a little bit new, responsible version of Mariner,
2: Neely it is but i think of anyone it had to have been mariner like if any of the other characters had been the one taken aboard it wouldn't have worked as well with their personalities and especially what we've seen from mariner this season of questioning you know she already had a brief stint where she left starfleet and you know was out going and about doing archaeology stuff with air quotes um and so i think with the where she was at the end of last episode, I think this works. And again, it only could have been Mariner and I wasn't quite sure how she was going to take it. You know, I was like, she could go either way. Honestly, I still felt like, you know, she, she could have jumped on board and drank the Kool-Aid with all the other lower deckers that, you know, um, have come to Lucarno's side, but she didn't. And that was really incredible. And I think incredibly powerful, um, and I think it showed maybe all these other ones like, hey, you know, we've traded one person in charge telling us what to do for another person who's giving us orders, you know. And so I thought that maybe that was the tipping point for some of them anyway, even though it took a little more convincing.
0: Um, Amy, this, this, this really felt like
2: Mariner kind
0: of taking a leap. And she was kind of the last one of the bunch to take that leap during the season. We've seen it from all the other characters. And this was her time to shine. And really kind of taking that leap where you see her accepting being part of Starfleet. And you kind of see some of her mom's traits come out of her in in this, in this these moments. You have your mute on, Amy.
3: Yeah, she definitely has grown, and we can see that here. And what I love about it is that she is so quick witted. And again, remember what she was telling uh, Klingon at the um, in the cave, where she's like, "Oh, I just lost my thought." Okay, but okay, mm, ma'am, I forgot. Okay. But anyways, what I do like is that she is, oh, okay. Yeah. She says that her brain is works faster when she's like in danger, you know, and that's what she did in this episode when she's talking to the Romulans and it's like, oh, you want a human who's going to tell you what to do. She's like using words instead of, the ship that she's in. She's not firing. She didn't fire a shot at them. She's using the words she's trying to get them to think. And man, what a TNG that is, right? That is Picard. He is the one who's going to talk you and get things done. Like that is what Mariner's doing. She didn't fire a shot. It was only her words that got the crew and the everyone else to like, yeah, I'm not going to follow this guy. That's Kevin, a trauma I- response. Yeah.
0: Kevin, we've we've kind of talked all season about everybody making a step and growing up. And I know that you wouldn't maybe a little frustrated how long it's taken for Mariner, but I think the payoff was really worth the wait here.
1: Yeah. And if you, and I was just thinking back, and if you look back at all of the things that we've learned about Mariner, if you just take away her, her, um, uh, her reason, you know, not wanting to, you know, get promoted, she knows so many people in the galaxy uh, in, in the universe. She knows so many different customs. She can take care of herself. She can kick ass. She's taken command of her lower deck friends and their mission so much. Uh, she's an excellent pilot that if she were to get fast tracked into a command position, she could kill it if she just would grasp it and take hold on onto it and, and, you know, uh, listen to her mom a little bit more. You know, uh, I would love to see her at the helm of a, uh, a, a as a captain of a starship, I think that would be really, really
3: cool. Of the Santa Barbara, there you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Why not?
1: Right? It's another city in California. Give it some love. Exactly. Yeah, you've been there, you know,
0: <laughs> guys. I want to move on to the next topic of this episode because I think this is really important. important. Was Captain Freeman. A mother's duty is greater than a captain's, no matter who you have to deal with. We see Captain Freeman, who is played pretty much by the Starfleet book for the most part through these through these seasons and trying to make an impression of Starfleet and everything, and Mariner's in trouble. Her thoughts are being a mother, being saving Mariner, Starfleet, what they want, being second, and we see it where she goes against Starfleet orders. She goes and makes a deal with the Orions at a pretty high cost, and she even really... Puts up with more Mark Twain cosplay because it's the only thing that can get some decisions made but what a what a great moment for Captain Freeman as not just a captain but as a mother and I think that's something that was really important and Haley, you are our mother on on this episode i was I'm kind of curious with your thoughts on this.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it, it really was wonderful because as a mom, you'll ends of the earth, you know, you'll do what you have to to, you know, protect your kids and um, you know, go in and rescue them and save the day if 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 that's what it needs to be done and you know, so you'll do what you have to and I think that was, you know, such a wonderful thing and I love their relationship and how much you know, over these four seasons has really grown and they have finally that mutual respect for each other, you know, and they take the care and love for each other. And I I love their working relationship, but they're still a mom and daughter that, you know, can rely on each other. And, um, you know, she she did what she had to to get it done because no one else was going to do it.
0: Kevin, what what did you think of this? Because this is Freeman making some taking some very big risks with her career to save her daughter.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I think she knew she had the full support of her uh her ship. And what was funny was when she was making that announcement, I was like, well, how do we know everyone's gonna? go along with this, you know, cause she's giving them the out if they need it. But then Boimler's like looking at his display con and everyone's like, I guess everyone pushes a button. I'm in, you know, or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those rah, rah moments that we like to see in, in movies when we've seen it, not only in star Trek, we've seen it in other situations too, where so, the captain and, or whoever's in charge and their, their crew are going to go against orders to save someone. Uh, that they care about. And uh, it's her daughter, you know, and uh, um, that's something we, I, I was hoping would happen and it did. It was good.
0: Amy, in your own way with you being being a retired teacher, you, you, you know this feeling as well.
3: Oh yeah. And sort of what you were saying, Kevin, like when, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to go do this. And then to did the famous data <laughs> Just, you know, let's go get them. Yeah. Uh, that was totally first contact I got that. Um, but <laughs> what I like what you're saying with Freeman is, and this was what I was gonna say at the beginning of the episode, was that her turning over uh, Mariners training over to ransom, was the best thing she did. Because think about the early seasons. They were fighting a lot season one. I mean, that mother daughter clashing season two, she's like, okay, well, I'm still in control of her, um, you know, her progression, and she's breaking my rules and orders what's going on. So finally, this year, she gets to turn it over. Now she can focus on her being a mother because Mariner going in Starfleet, that's on ransom. And I really like that. And I felt that it has freed her up for her to go and get her and yeah, Starfleet, but this is my daughter and what I love again, Starfleet and the writers are doing it right. When you go and you're going to break a rule when she had to fess up and she was like, I will accept full responsibility for my actions. It's not that she was like, I'm going to do this and you're not going to be able to touch me. No, she's like, I'm going to do this knowing the consequences. I will accept whatever you give me because it is a choice. And for people to make a choice and then not accept the consequences really annoys me. And Star Trek is, tr- is showing us how to do it correctly if you do break rules.
0: Yeah, no, all really good thoughts, guys, and I can't agree with you more. I, I thought this was br- brilliant in how they handled this and how they portrayed Freeman, which leads us into, guys, the rescue and acting Captain Boimler. Um, this rescue sequence where they, with the plan they have, we see um, Freeman trying to deactivate the Genesis device, We see the rescue with the captain shot, which nobody ever sees them actually do anything. Everything about this just felt so amazingly Trek and Amy. It was helped even more because of the phenomenal throwbacks to the music and scenes and moments from Star Trek history. Whether it's the music, the kind of uh, page tribute to Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan with the trying to find each other within the, the nebula, all of that was. This, this was like a homage to everything Trek, this whole rescue sequence.
3: Yeah, it was really good. And I just love how slangy their language is. Like I said, like she's calling the Genesis device. All right, GD and straps it in, you know, as talking. And just like her familiarity with that totally reminded me of Raffi when, when she calls Picard, JLP. You know, it's just that sort, of, and it just came so quick, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" Um, I that just that familiarity is like, "Okay, they're my friends." You know, so I really like the whole ambiance of the script and the music and everything.
0: Haley, what about you? Were you feel Were you feeling the Star Trek tribute vibes going on in, during?
3: Yeah. The-
2: and I, I think my, my favorite bit of this, you know, she can only go so far and hide, right? Because she even can't get past the shields, which, you know, I agree, super dumb name. Um, but I love that uh, she's like calling out codes. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yes, I knew that would come in handy one day. Like, <laughs> You know? Um, and I mean, what other person who's stolen a ship... Uh, has not memorized the list of codes and been like, okay, it's not this one, it's gonna be this one. You know, and been like, ha ha, I knew I needed those, you know, I was sneakily remembering these codes for a reason type stuff. Um and you know the the no fear of activating the Genesis device. I mean, you know she she hopes that she's being rescued, um, and it's going to happen in time, right? But at the moment, in that moment, in that scene, you don't know that they're going to make it before the Genesis device, you know, goes off. Um, and so, you know, I I loved her no fear of being like, okay, if this happens. It's it's gonna happen." Because I mean, I'm sure Mariner probably thought, you know, the Ferengi have probably put something into this that I'm not gonna be able to deactivate it uh, once I turn it on. And um, so, yeah, it was it was really good.
0: Kevin, I, I, I'm watching this episode and I'm gone. I can I can see you just every little beat that it had. Just you. You just enjoying every second of that,
1: yeah. It's uh, you know, it's one of the main reasons why we really enjoy um, lower decks, and I think lower decks has done a brilliant job of not just um, having a show where it's relying on uh, throwbacks or Easter eggs or mentions or whatever, but they're building they're kind of extending stories around a lot of these mentions and throwbacks and Easter eggs. Uh, and, And yes, we do get all those, but it's nice that they're expanding the universe around these things of mention that we've seen them in. But as fans, we go, what if, what, what's there's more to that. I wonder if we'll ever learn anything more about that or, you know, will, will that ever be mentioned again and leave it to lower decks to mention it again and expand on it and have some fun with it. And being the format that it is, you know, a half hour cartoon show, you get to take risks and have fun like that. And, uh, um, I, the only thing I was kind of hoping to see though, was when the, uh, um, uh, the device went off. One of the best things about, uh, that, that Star Trek movie is when you actually see the planet getting developed and it's like going over and that's really cool computer early eighties or whatever computer animated thing. I was kind of hoping we'd get a little more of a definitive uh, Genesis device on that. But uh, Mm -hmm. I do want to see that kind of come back into play to see, you know, how they're, they mentioned they'll use it as refugees or something like that. But uh, um, I guess if, uh, you know, Locarno does have some legacy left, at least he has a Genesis made, Planet named after him, so I think that's pretty cool, <laughs> but yeah I, I, that's one of the reasons why I love this show Kyle it's 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 done a great job showing tribute to the past
0: now guys, if there's one thing from episode one till now that has been something has been floating out there and setting up and setting up and hoping someday it would come. it arrived in the season four finale because we had acting Captain Boimler. Not only was he in the chair, he had the captain's voice. And Amy, as you said, he even had the sideways stand.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They they had been
0: building up to this since Boimler's first appearance and his fanboying out all through all the previous seasons. And we finally get this moment. And Kevin, you've talked about character growth throughout this season. You have this with Boimler. It, this is for anybody who started with Lord Decks and has rode it through the entire way. This is one of the ultimate rewards of the show.
1: Yeah, he's shown some confidence in this, you know, and uh, he's always been afraid of taking that that step. You know, he's always been the kind of scaredy cat in a way. Uh, and it was nice to see him kind of step up to the challenge and uh, step up and sit down in that chair and, you know, and act captainly. So that was nice to see.
0: Hayley, do you think when you sit in the chair, you just automatically get that captain voice in you? It's just like it's, it's like a bonding thing with the chair.
2: Probably because I mean, you know, if we hearken back to um, the not so favorite of the newer Star Trek movies, uh, Into Darkness, and we we think of uh, Sulu sitting down in the chair, and you know he's talking to that at badmoral and he's like don't toy with me and I'm like yeah I'm here for that right um like that I love that scene hands down in that movie it's probably my favorite moment he's like if you play with me you will lose and I'm like heck yeah Sulu um you know and i think of tng i love i love the moments when data gets to be captain and and data sitting in the captain's chair and jordy when jordy gets the chair and he sits and he's in charge and i love that and that i think you know because it is the captain's chair you know it holds such an importance and a regard and a position that it imbues whoever takes it with confidence. Like you can't not help but be more confident in your abilities, even though like we see Deanna and her, you know, timidness with that. Uh, For the most part, people sit there and they say, I, okay, I got this. Even if they doubt themselves generally, there's some sort of sense of confidence that that chair just kind of comes with.
1: I love I love that we get a little twist on that in next gen when Vash sits on the chair <laughs> she yeah. kind of puts her legs up on it all kind of sexy like, you
2: know. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, honestly, I'd probably sit in it like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> As
1: would I. You
0: know, of, I, course,
1: I like of course that would Le,
2: be more comfortable. Le,
1: of course, Locarno has to take it one step further and has
0: his chair floating over, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. He, he has to be <laughs> over everybody. <laughs> but let's let's be honest, Amy Bo- Boimler probably doesn't let them hear about the end of this ever,
3: <laughs> no. right? You know, I was, and and to your point, he's he's not your screw up or you know, wow, we didn't get a Boimler scream at all, and I sort of did miss that, but it was really nice seeing him, you know. Take I don't know, he always takes it seriously, but this time he was efficient and. Good.
2: <laughs> it wasn't. Um, I got curious, like the away mission where he yeah. was just like, "I'll just do everything." You know, he was. right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Can we talk about something? Since this is the final the season finale here, can we talk about one of the cast members, uh, Doctor Tiana, um, most potty mouthed Star Trek character ever? Um, <laughs> and I, I'm I find it funny that. Obviously they have to bleep almost everything that she says, but what I'm kind of curious about is if anyone has ever interviewed, uh, is it Gillian or Gillian Vigman who plays her? Like, is she directed to look, just let loose. If you drop the F bomb or the S bomb or whatever it is, let it do just, just be Tiana the way you think that this, this curmudgeon, uh, you know, doctor is, I, I'm still trying to figure her out and why she gets away with, Like being able to curse like that. I don't have a problem with it. I just find it funny and I'm curious.
2: I have thoughts on that. I think if that is, if you think about it and you look at TOS, that's how Bones would have been, right? If If allowed to, yeah. Yeah, if allowed to in that time frame, Bones was the curmudgeon, the, you know, just gruff. Uh, just done with it doctor. Like that is his personality. He's very upfront and just, I don't give a bleep as Dr. Ta'ana would say. So I think that it is an homage to what bones would have been written as if that had been okay at that time.
1: Mm, Interesting. I like that. Because,
2: I don't know. Like, I relate to that. I swear way too much and people tell me, oh, I'm so sorry for swearing. And I'm like, please, it's not going to offend me. (laughs) But, you know, like, I mean, if you're older and you've been a doctor for a while and you're on this ship and you're just like, I'm so over these people doing stupid stuff and getting hurt and having to come to me. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's how you'd behave. So I look at it as that is it's it's an homage to bones.
0: Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Um, lastly, guys, it is the season. This was the season finale, and we had a couple heartwarming moments and sad moments at the end. Heartwarming in something I think has been the theme of this season is the closeness of these four
1: mm-hmm. and the
0: family that they have developed, and we see that at the end of this episode. But also a piece of sadness because to rescue Mariner, Tindy had to make a ultimate sacrifice and go back to where she didn't want to go, which is back to her family and on with being a pirate with her, her sister again. And even though we know we will see Tendy again, and it was kind of weird when she left. She kind of had a little bit of like that was a little ominous with <laughs> how she looked. But guys, I really think the theme of this season was the relationships and how they grew together in this season. Each each of them growing in their own way, but even becoming closer as that tight knit family. And I think that's what made this particular season of Lower Decks stand out was that underlying storyline of this family of Lower Decks, Amy.
3: Yeah. It, it really, that's the heart of the show. And with Talyn coming in and now Tendi leaving, I'm like, I really don't want that to happen. Cause I just, I love Tendi um i mean i'm happy to add to lynn like i don't want to lynn to go anywhere but it just makes me wonder what's going to happen like so tindy's going to be off in orion so does that mean we're going to have like maybe two or three episodes with no tindy until we get her back or i just it makes me nervous that's all i'm gonna say
0: kevin what about you um were you feeling as we close out on this final season of uh, this fourth season of lord x yeah, I almost feel
1: like she's going to go full pirate, you know, and just, mm-hmm. uh, and then because I, I think for her to be able to get back to her friends, um, on the Cerritos back in there, she's going to have to basically upseat her, uh, is it her sister?
0: Or- yeah, her sister. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, by going full pirate, basically. But, you know, we, we've grown accustomed to her. Uh, she's just adorable. And I love the relationship between her and Rutherford. They have a thing, you know, uh, that's kind of cute to kind of watch from the side. And, uh, she's, she's one of the, she's one of the, one of the funnest characters to watch on this series. And I like that, uh, this Orion thing that she's trying not to be your typical Orion, you know, that we're used to these pirates, you know, uh, these backstabbing pirates they will do whatever, you know, she's been trying to break that tradition and be a good Starfleet officer. But, uh, We've got a little tease to her being piratey, so I'm hoping that we get that before she returns to Starfleet. It'll be
0: interesting. Haley, what about you?
2: Yeah, I think it's been great to see these characters grow and develop, um, like you said, independently, but also together, which has been really nice. Um, I'm on the opposite end. I think uh Tendi's gonna be like super science-y and just annoy the crap out of her sister, <laughs> to where her sister's just gonna be like, Fine, go back. I can't stand it anymore. And is just like super done with her and just kicks her out and it's like fine, leave. I can't I can't oh, put I like up with that. you anymore. So uh, that's that's my uh, season next season <laughs> oracle stuff coming in. I think that's what's gonna happen. But um no, it, you know, it was sad to see her leave. But I don't think, again, I think the writers know how much of a beloved character that she is. So I don't think, like, it's not like we're not going to see it. I think we're going to see her back on Orion and, and doing whatever um, so that she can get back. Because um, she, at the end of the episode, is very determined. She's like, all right, let's do this. And, you know, sh- I, I think she's scheming of a way to make her sister <laughs> regret making her come home. So um, I think we're going to get her on Orion. And then I, I it won't be long before she comes back just because of that love for the character. I mean, I had someone who cosplayed and was like, you've been wearing wigs. Help me. F-. I'm like, I got you. I'll help you find a green one that works. And I found like two and I sent her the one. And she's like, oh, my God, this is perfect. And that's the one she bought.
0: There you go. Well, guys, we're going to transport out of this away mission and into a little Star Trek trivia for this episode. Okay, i got just a quick few pieces of Star Trek trivia for this episode here. This episode begins with previously on Star Trek lore decks, which the series also did with the Season 3 episode A Mathematically Perfect Redemption. The Detrion system is new, and not to be confused with the Detrien system which seen in the TNG episode Ship in a Bottle. When Locarno made his speech, you could see reactions of, on a number of other vessels, including the Free Spirit under the command of Petra Aberdeen. Mariner had joined that crew after resigning from Starfleet in season three.
3: Oh, I missed that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: This episode introduced two new Ferengi rules of acquisition. Rule 91, your boss is only worth what he pays you. And rule 289, Shoot first, count profits later.
3: Now, um, did those rules come from the actual book? Like, are they stolen from that book? Or will these contradict?
1: That, that book is not complete. There's room for adding some. Uh, oh, okay. When, so that book was, when that book was published, it published everything that they knew. There might have been a few that were added,
0: but I, I don't remember that book being complete. The ship Mariner takes from the Nova base was a steamrunner class named the USS Passaro, NCC 52670. There will also be a, Gar- a Gagarin class USS Passaro in the 25th century, seen in the Picard season finale. Both ships are named in honor of Star Trek artist Fabio Passaro, who passed away in 2022. Oh, nice. Mar- Mariner refers to the ship as an old tub, but steamrunners were seen in active duty over the previous decade in Star Trek First Contact and Voyager. And one will still be active 20 years after this episode, as seen in season three of Picard. Finally, the Tynar Shield and Lacrano's bridge crew reveal that binars also work as trios, as noted by Mariner, when she said, Oh, the three binars, right? Can you have three binars? So that, to answer the binar question we've got a little bit there, but um next, guys, it's time to talk the ready room. In other words, this is where we give Amy Nelson 15 seconds to swoon.
3: <laughs> we don't need to swoon. That was just between us, friends. Uh-huh. Saying, Jerry O'Connell looks very fit, even in a polo shirt. That's all I'm going to say.
0: Well, The Ready Room was back for the first time since the end of Strange New Worlds. Um. The commanding officers of the USS Ferretos, Don Lewis, Carol who voices Carol Freeman, and Jerry O'Connell, who voices Jack Ramson, join Will Wheaton, Star Trek of, course, of Star Trek: The Next Generation fame, and celebrate the lower decks promotions and their love for Star Trek. Plus, they go inside of Star Trek's lower decks, epic forays, and pay tribute to Captain Carol Freeman, and a lot more. Guys, this was a really fun interview. It's always kind of fun to get Will Wheaton and Jerry O'Connell together because they have been friends for such a long time and it always reflects in the interview but it was i I love there's so many little things i love this episode but what i really loved was don lewis already saying yeah i know some things about episode five because i've already been in the room recording (laughs) or season five because she's already been in the room recording but i'm gonna ask each of you was there some standout moments or things you like from this episode of the ready room amy i know you're a little distracted by jerry's abs but (laughs)
3: um and don's shirt was i was like man i want to get that shirt i just was very impressed with how they looked obviously but what they had to say was of substance too and one of the things that i really liked um was their feeling that this is a family not only a family within their show but a family within the Star Trek fandom and Jerry O'Connell specifically was talking about that love and you know feeling the love of the fans when he was at his first convention was up in Chicago and he told a funny story about you know pants not having pockets but suspenders that was that was pretty funny but like and I remember being there in Chicago and getting uh, our picture taken with them and that they were in and they got to wear the uniforms for the first time and just like him feeling the love of this fandom, and I just I'm just glad that they feel that
0: okay, Kevin. I have an important question to ask you. You, I know you've cosplayed Star Trek before. Did you have your proper suspenders? <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> no. uh, I love the I love that, um,
1: uh, that Jerry O'Connell and uh, Will have known each other for so long, uh, especially since doing Stand By Me together. And um, they may, I I don't know if they knew each other before that, but that's a long friendship there to have Uh, that movie came out in what? 86.
0: I think it was eighty five, eighty six, 86. Yeah.
1: And so that was really, really cool. Uh, I liked it. Uh, Jerry (laughs) didn't, didn't really know Voyager. So he didn't get like the references to the slugs and, you know, the Paris and, and uh, uh, Janeway Slugs and, and Locarno and the whole thing like that. I thought that was, that was kind of funny. Uh, it, was, uh, it was nice uh, just seeing him, um, you know, uh, how he approaches the character. Um, and uh, I like that um, they were a little disappointed they don't get to record together. But that uh, maybe one day at a convention or something, they'll get to do some scenes together and stuff like that. Because uh, you know, normally they might do their recording at home or, you know, whatever. Uh, it's just, it's interesting that they don't do that in front of each other and feed off that way.
0: Haley, what about you? Anything from this interview stand out?
2: No, because in keeping tradition, one of us can't watch, doesn't watch the episode. And that was me me this time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is tradition. There's always. I mean, different.
2: it is tradition that at least one person hasn't watched it, and it was me. <laughs> well, I,
0: I, I do have one thing. Other thing I want to bring up from this too, because they did give us a sneak peek of Discovery Season Five. I know Discovery is a mixed bag reaction across the, the, the fandom, but I got I got to say it. If Discovery is able to match what they show us in the trailer for Season Five this could be the most action packed season of discovery. And yes, I I know for some people that's making a pretty big statement and a big wish, but I was really impressed with what they put in this trailer, Amy.
3: That trailer was gorgeous. I'm very excited. I really, and I was like, did it come out before and I missed it somewhere or was this a new thing on the ready room?
0: I think it was out before, maybe at New York City Comic-Con.
3: Oh, I don't know. Somehow I missed it. I didn't get to see this, um, yeah, season five trailer. So I'm really excited. I screamed when I saw Tilly. I'm so glad to have her back. I I will say this.
0: The trailer seemed brighter. And For those of you who have listened to our coverage of Discovery, that has a... a a sticking point kevin i see you shaking your head
1: (laughs) uh yes that has been a sticking point
0: (laughs) so um (laughs) hopefully soon we will have a release date for star trek discovery and we will be covering that here at the union federation podcast for the final time as it will be the final season of star trek It, it was interesting in the rating room too
1: to see um will actually address that there will be a section 31 movie with Michelle Yo having him actually announce it and say it was interesting too. And I think he announced something else. I can't remember, but star just, Academy.
0: yeah. Yeah. So
1: hearing it come from his mouth, I thought was kind of cool.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I say those are the official confirmed things at, the, at this point. So, but with that, that is going to bring our coverage of star Trek, lower decks to a close. It's been a f- another season of lower decks. We know season five is coming. Will it be the last? We're not sure yet. We will be finding out, but it's been it's been a great ride with an amazing crew as we've discussed everything here, Lower Decks on the Phantom Podcast Network and on the BQN network as well. Um just real quick before I close out, too, we're gonna have a little fun. It's time to revisit the Orville. I'm going to hand the keys of the quantum drive for the podcast to Mr. Reitzel because I think it's time we give the Orville some much needed missing love while we wait to get an official announcement on season. And you, are uh, wearing, you are wearing the appropriate shirt for it, Kevin.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You cut me
3: off guard. What, what's going on? <laughs> well, no. I, we have I, some I, fun th- things coming up. up. We, we are
0: planning some fun things to
3: give the oh, okay. podcast
0: for the Orville. Okay. Yeah. Nothing nothing
1: confirmed yet, but we're talking about uh, going back to the Orville and uh, giving it some much-needed love, uh, whether – not we're going to actually receive an official announcement of cancellation or if it is going to uh, get a season four uh with the actress strike now being officially over hopefully uh that will um um move things forward if that's the case but i would recommend that uh you know please stream uh the show on disney plus that helps and hashtag uh you know what was it um you know orville season Bring yeah, Orville season four. Renew the Orville. I think it was renew, renew the Orville, Orville was that was a hashtag. So make sure you do that and stay tuned.
0: With that, guys, it's time to close out this episode. But real quick, of course, you can find the Union Federation on all all over the place as far as the audio podcast. Whether it's on the BQN Network, the Fandom Podcast Network, all of your popular uh, i uh, podcast catchers, whether it's iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or so many more. Of course, to watch this great episode of. The Union Federation on the Fandom Podcast Network YouTube channel. Please give us a like, a subscribe, and a share as we continue to try to grow out our YouTube presence. Um, of course, too, you can find the Union Federation on our Facebook page, uh, the Union Federation, where we try to keep you updated with all the latest news and happenings in both Star Trek and the Orville. You can find me, Kyle, on social media on Twitter X or whatever you wish to call it this week at a kyle w, and you can also find me on Instagram and in Threads at a kyle fandom. Kevin, where can people find you on the socials? Uh, you can
1: find me on, uh, tw- uh, X Instagram and threads at Spartan underscore Phoenix. Of course you can find me in the union fed Facebook group. And of course on Facebook itself at Kevin Reitzel.
0: Amy Nelson, when, when you are not traveling the, the world, where can people catch up with you on social media?
3: Yeah, well, you can uh, listen to me over on BQN, uh, network there, uh, co-hosting galaxy class which is about next generation also all good things which is a general star trek podcast i am on twitter at miss amy nelson and also in our facebook group
0: now now, haley i I was making a comment to kevin if you have you have been following kevin and i's low-key coverage on the Cool live episodes of Culture Clash lately. We could have really used you last week to science up some things for us, but because <laughs> <laughs> we, we were dealing with some serious timing, why me, quantum physics kind of things. And like,
3: yeah,
0: we need I'm um, always
2: available. You can always be like, hey, uh, incoming, mm-hmm. you know, uh, live uh, on site reporter, or whatever, you know, just message if, me. your questions. if, if you can explain a, a temporal
0: loom, you're in.
2: A temporal loom. I'll have to. Do some research on that, and I probably can. (laughs) Well, I I know you've been kind of moving around a little bit on your social
0: media, but I hear you have some bluer skies.
2: I do. So you can find me on Instagram. Uh, Please send me a message so that I know you're an actual person who wants to follow me uh, on Instagram. (laughs) Otherwise, you'll sit in my you know, requests and you'll just sit there and it's not going to happen. At Trekkie01D, I have fled the coop that was Twitter and is now X. I'm not there anymore. Sorry. Not going to find me there, um, but you can find me on Blue Sky at Trekkie01D. Luckily, I jumped on that really quick, so I have the same same one over there. Um, so if you're on Blue Sky, please uh, give me a follow, and then you can also find me in our Facebook group.
0: Well, for, for me, too, I just want to say a thank you again to this amazing crew for all the fun of the Lower Decks coverage and all the Star Trek coverage we've had over this past year. Uh, I'm looking forward to diving into some orbital things. I I think we do have some fun ideas coming to kind of bridge the gap because we still don't know when our next dose of Trek will be. We know it's going to be in early 2024. We just don't quite know when hopefully now that the actor strike is over. Hallelujah. We will get some news on that sooner than later. But again, think this show doesn't happen without this amazing crew. You guys are what makes it tick. Um, and I thank you for it. And I thank you for being a part of it. And also to our wonderful listeners out there, whether you're an Orville fan, a Star Trek fan, whatever. We just are glad that you join us and make us a part of your day and let us feed your ears with some good Orville and Star Trek knowledge. But with that, it is time to close up those hailing frequencies. So until next time, hailing frequencies are now closed.